Good Tuesday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies DC Sports Rundown. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG sitting in. You can't see him because he's in the dock, you know. You adopted the dock. He was born <laughs> in it. The Midnight Rider. What's up, man? What's going on tonight? Uh, nothing much, man. I'm still kind of sort of reeling from Sunday. Uh, first and foremost, how you feel? Uh, a little under weather, but I had a nice little toothache. So probably got to hit the dentist tomorrow or the Thursday to get this squared away. But other than that, I'm good, man. Right now, my face looks like I was at a um, club and Willie McGinnis came in to check me out. So, oh, wow. Well, uh, if you're in need of a dentist, <laughs> uh, I recommend Dr. Michael. Zyshawn Michael down in Fort Washington does very, very good work. Okay. That is my dentist. Uh, eh, yeah, my man yeah. does really, really good work. Okay, he, he made this face ready for camera. That's why we on the camera now because he helped out with this face. All right, so, that's what's up. Um, man, so let's just go ahead and tackle the elephant in the room. Washington loses in controversial fashion. Everybody wants to talk about. The referee throwing the flag on Terry for not, you know, illegal formation. The pass interference play on on, on the following play. Um, the all the calls that were called against Washington on Sunday night, and I want to take a line from the great Vincent Kennedy McMahon and use it here. And that line is: the Giants didn't screw the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders screwed the Washington Commanders. Absolute fact. You got you got to call it what it is. Call a spade a spade, and you got to take accountability. Daniel Jones, twenty-one to thirty-two, one hundred and sixty yards. Saquon Barkley, and they said in the pregame he would be at eighty, but he'll be under ninety. Eighteen carries, eighty-seven yards, and a touchdown. Daniel Jones, ten carries, thirty-five yards. Cannot allow that to happen. We said that in the pregame show. Richie James killed them all night. Four catches, forty-two yards. May not look like a lot in the box in the box score, but the catches that he had and the time that those catches came, that's where it killed us. Third down catches for first downs. Uh, big Fourth play. And Fourth and nine. First down. Isaiah Hodgins, uh, four for 37. Saquon had five for 33. Then we go over to the Giants defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, go on and have yourself a season, son. Yet again, disruptive. Uh, 12 total tackles and a sack caused a fumble, which was recovered for a touchdown. Jalen Smith, who I didn't, I was like, damn, he's still in the lead. Jalen Smith, nine tackles. Uh, Fabian Moreau, former Washington football team, worked Redskin, uh, five tackles. Even Landon Collins, back with the Giants, called up for this game, and you know he was going to be ginned up. It's like anything. That always happens when a former Washington player comes in. Uh, he had three tackles. And I, I got so pissed off because I was like, where was this Landon Collins when he was playing here? He was supposed to be playing the box. He was yelling at everybody else to be in place, but he was always out of place. But I'm not going to get into that because it's wrong with me. On our side, which is the commanders, Taylor Heineke, 17 to 29, 249 and a touchdown. B-Rob, an atrocious ter- 12 carries in that game. 89 yards. Should have had more carries. Uh, 
Taylor Heineke had three carries for 33. Antonio Gibson, five for 21. Jahan Dotson, four for 105 and a touchdown. Scary Terry, six for 70. Uh, Curtis Samuels, three for 44. Defensively, Bobby McCain, 11 tackles. Danny Johnson, eight. Jamin Davis, nine. Cam Curl, seven. Uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, six. We didn't get to uh, Daniel Jones not one time. Not one time. So I've talked enough. Let me throw this over to the Midnight Rider. What were your thoughts on this game? Even with all the stats laid out on the floor, everything that has happened, what were your thoughts on this game? Um, that was a coming out party for Thibodeau. Thibodeau came out, and every time they ran by him, near him, if he didn't make the tackle initially, he ran down the field and was either in on the tackle later on, 10, 15 yards down the field, especially that one bootleg that Haneke had. Haneke runs right past him. And the next thing you know, you look up, and he's he's behind Haneke diving on him at the end of the play. Um, the other play that was not going to be talked about um, is, I think it's second down and goal on that last drive, and Haneke's running towards the end zone. And I think, honestly, in his mind, he had made up his mind he was going to dive for the pylon. And then he saw Thibodeau come out of nowhere because Thibodeau was actually in coverage. And once he saw Thibodeau, he kind of had to stop. And at that point, it was too late, and he trips up over his own feet, and we get nothing out of that. Because I think he should have scored there as opposed to us having to deal with third and fourth down in that scenario. Um, the other thing that stood out was just the Giants did just enough. They did just enough to win. You got two fumbles um, in a game where two teams were matched, like we said, evenly. You can't have two fumbles. I mean, you just can't. So I think that's where the game shifted at is the two turnovers, the one quick score, and that really gave New York all they needed. It was almost like a battle of the first one of 17 wins. Yeah. You got the mute. I'll agree with that. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, and it was. It's just one ahead. of those games where I think if you look at the yardage, they don't even have the yardage in this ballgame to warrant a victory, but they have the turnovers. Um, one time they flipped the field where that first drive, we punt. It's a 34-yard punt. He gets 30 on the return. You know, things like those little things killed us in that ballgame. Looking at the team stats, Washington total yards, 387 to the Giants, 288. Yards per play, Washington 6.7. Giants six, uh, 4.6. Total first downs, 20 for Washington. 19 for the Giants. Neither team could get it done on third down. Washington was one of 10. Uh, the Giants were two of 10. Total plays, 62 for the Giants, 58 for Washington. Washington gave up three sacks, had four punts. The Giants gave up no sacks and five punts. Then we talk about penalties. Six for 40 for Washington, five for 30 for the Giants. Time of possession was damn near evening. It was about a, a minute difference. 30, 30 for the Giants, 29-30 the Washington Commanders. Now, we're talking about penalties. Can I go before we go penalties? Okay, go ahead. Because I think Washington got – go back to that image you show of the two Spider-Mans. Um, we got some of our own medicine uh, on Sunday night. The situation where I mean, New York goes 16 plays, 97 yards, 
And I think it takes up about nine minutes. Mm-hmm. That drive is so close to the drive they had earlier in the year against Philly and the drive against Tampa Bay last year. And I think that really just still took took over the ball game. I agree with that because they took so much time off the clock. The amount of time they took off the clock, the amount of plays, and they didn't have any negative plays. They just took their time and drove downfield. It was methodical. It was cerebral. I mean, I don't think I got any other any other ways to, to, to describe it. It was everything. And it was what you look for in a drive. And you 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 can't as a football fan, you cannot shake a stick at that. That's how football is supposed to be played. Now here's the other side of it. We're going to talk about the penalties, the the final two penalties, the the non-call pass interference and Scary Terry making sure he was up on the line. He gets the thumbs up twice from the line judge who just reaches and throws the flag. And, you know, uh, Mike Pellicero is thinking that there's we we got a Tim Donaghy situation going on with the refs because everybody on TV, everybody's saying it. That should have been pass interference and that shouldn't have been illegal formation. Well, the crazy thing is, I think that guy only spent one year as the head of officials. So, you, I mean, it tells you right there his performance history. You can't go from the head of officiating, head of officiating, now to a linesman. That is a hell of a demotion. So, that says a lot right there in his own right. Here's my thing. I don't need the NFL to go in and say, well, you know, that was passing the first because that's not going to win the game. I don't need them to say that wasn't uh, illegal motion because he got the thumbs up. I don't. That's not going to win us the game. That's not going to go back and say, okay, put the points back on the board and we're going to replay it from there and then they got to go for two. Nah, we're not doing that. That's not going to happen. It's not going to make anything better. So if the NFL has any type of apology when they go through, I don't keep your apology because the shit means nothing to me. Oh, okay. I mean, either today, today or tomorrow we get the FedEx package. <clears throat> with the note. Yeah, my I'm bad. Sorry. It's it's a hollow apology, hollow. And here's my thing, and this is how I felt about it. Once I calmed down, once I settled down, if we would have came in and took care of business on those early drives, and didn't come away with zilch on a lot of drives, we would have never been in a situation where we had to play from behind. Exactly. If you get the maybe if you take the three early on instead of punting the ball, um, if you don't get the fumble. And you get some points on that drive. Um, there are a lot of situations where we just didn't finish the drives off. I mean, look at the yardage. Mm-hmm. That's a whole lot of moving twenty to twenty. You get that big play from Heineke to to Dotson, and we get nothing out of that. That's the like, fumble drive. That should have been seven. Well, and I really hey, I don't think that was a fumble. That that because if I'm not mistaken. Body part had touched the ground. The ball wasn't moving until he hit the ground. Nah, what Haneke did was he kicked both his legs up for some reason. So he was parallel to the ground. And then the ball starts moving. And you can actually see in the replay where the ball is starting to come out right before he hits. It's like a weird play because he decided to – it's like he decided to dive as he was getting hit instead mm. of just going down. Right. Then we also had the – what was it? It was the Daniel Jones fumble that they overturned that was actually a fumble because the ball was moving before his knees hit the ground. We didn't get that. It was a lot of calls that didn't go our way. 
it's and, funny watching this team on Sundays because I'll watch all the other games and I'll see everybody get away with stuff like that little pick in the end zone. I don't know how that gets called. Um, there was a hold on the, on the edge on one play that just it's like we don't get the benefit of the doubt or we don't get the one where they decide to turn turn their head and look away. Um, we've gotten away with a couple this year, like the face mask against Philly. I think we got away with a face mask in the New York game. Um, but, but it was tough to see, but still. Slid off. It slid off. Didn't, okay. didn't grab and hold, slid off. That's not face mask. Okay. You had a better vantage point. So, yeah, we good. But like I said at the top of the show, the Giants didn't screw the Washington Commanders. The no. Washington Commanders screwed the Washington Commanders because they put themselves in that situation. Biggest game of the season thus far. And you had two weeks to prepare for this. You came out flat and you let the Giants do the exact same thing they did two weeks ago. No, no, no adjustments, no nothing. And if the boss BJ was here, he would let you know his frustration with Jack Del Rio. And I'm at the point now. I'm like, look, something's got to give because I don't, I, Everybody has their way to coach. Everybody has their plays to call. I get it. You have your situational football. I get it. Even Chris Collinsworth said it. Why are they playing this shell defense? And it's so far back. It's third and seven, and you're 12 yards off the receiver. He's going to catch that. Chris Collinsworth spoke to my soul. Much as people don't like him, he spoke to my soul Sunday night talking about defense. If it's third and seven, I'm not giving you a nine-yard cushion. All you got to do is run, turn, and by the time you run and turn, I have to stop, back my back pedal, and come up and catch you. First down's already there. It, it's already happened. It happened several times. How many first down catches did, did, did Richie James have that right. should have been prevented? Whatever happened to the aggressive play of corners where – it's short yardage. You know they got to go short. Throw the time into the playoff. Bump and run. I, I, I'm so, and I'm not saying this is the, the 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 thing with our DBs. I'm so sick of hearing players on any level. Oh, I'm a left corner. I'm a right corner. I only play zone. I don't play man. Dog, either you play what's required or you get the fuck off the team. That's it. Sometimes you're going to have to play zone. Me personally, I hated playing zone at corner. I hated it. But if it was called, I played it. I think New York caught them a couple times because I saw <laughs> on one of the Richie James first downs, McCain came off the corner, off the slot, and literally Daniel Jones, the second he saw it, it was boom, boom. Um, Yeah, I don't like the cushion, but I think sometimes they try to hide Danny Johnson with the cushion. And then there's one play where I can't tell if Saquon got his hand into Derek Force or if Derek Force misplayed it. It was a third and three, maybe third and five, and they were on the sideline. And Force looks like he has the angle to take a pick, but the ball goes through Saquon's hands. So I, I got to go back and look at that. But that's another situation where we just had an opportunity that we just couldn't take and take advantage of. And that's all this game was. It was missed opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I hate sounding like Ron Rivera in that situation, but that's what it was, missed opportunities. Here's the thing. If Daniel Jones only plays the Washington Commanders for the rest of his career, what is he in? He's in year three? No, he's five. 
No, four. 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 Yeah, because next year is the option year. Well, year no, it's too late. They can't pick that up. Nope. And they didn't pick it up. Right. But he said he's not worried about it. I think they're not going to pick it up because they're going to give him a nice contract. Because if he can play the way he's played this season, he showed under Brian Dable that he was worth the pick. And this is what I go back to when we talk about quarterbacks. When you have a coach that believes in you and nurtures you and finds out what you do well and hides what you do wrong, <laughs> this is what you have. You have a, a, a 8 5 and one New York Giants team that was red hot, kind of cooled off a little bit, but Daniel Jones is the leader. As Daniel Jones goes, so goes the team. And if Daniel Jones plays the Washington Commanders for the rest of his career, he goes down as the greatest quarterback in all of all time. He goes down as a Hall of Famer and everything else. Because I don't know what it is about Daniel Jones. We make him look like a Hall of Famer. I would love to sit down and talk to him like, dog, what do you have against us? He'd probably be like, well, you know, they didn't want to pick me. Okay, Maybe. you play with a chip on your shoulder like that. All right, that's cool. I mean, that's great. I actually want to see him with weapons. Like, give him... He had Evan Ingram for the first three years he was there, and Ingram dropped everything they threw at him. Now you look at Ingram in Jacksonville, and he can't drop a pass. Um, they brought in Galladay. Galladay didn't pan out. Slayton always seems to get something against us. And then who's left? Richie James. What was he at? Hodgkins. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's a roll call of nobodies, but they just do enough. And that's all I think all New York has really tried to do this season is exactly what the commanders started doing after week five. We're going to run the ball. We're going to be physical with you. Uh, you look at their two ends, Olajari and um, Thibodeau, they get after you. And then you got the big dogs in the middle, um, Leonard Williams and Wilkins. And, I mean, that's a, that's a devastating defense. If you can put anything on the outside for Jones and then you give that defense – a couple players in either the secondary or on that next level, who it could get interesting. It could be really the NFC beast coming up here. Yeah. What's going on to you? And a good night to you too. We just out here talking Washington Commanders. Uh, just devastating loss, man. And I'm uh, when I say devastating, most people are like, oh, it wasn't that bad. No, it was pretty devastating because this is a game that needed to be won. You know. Playoff chances, Washington moves from sixth spot to the seventh spot. The Giants uh, actually have the tiebreaker. If Detroit keeps winning, Detroit has the tiebreaker. Um, Man. Well, this is where you don't control your destiny. You say you're from Brazil. Hey, we're from Washington, D.C., United States of America. So it's good to have you here from Brazil. Come back and check us out sometime. Hit that follow button. Um, let me ask you this because what? I know we're we not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because here's something that Ted Hendricks told Todd Christensen. It's in the cane. Nothing you can do about it. It's in the cane. Okay. I so, get it. My next question, and I said I was going to save this for the wrap it up segment, but I'm going to ask it now. What's next? Where do we go from here? Do we beat San Francisco and their rookie quarterback. You being um, part of the canine kennel, um, I don't think I'm supposed to or I'm allowed to project beyond this week's game, you know, because that's what the Doc Walker philosophy is. So I'm adhere to the philosophy. And um, 
I think this week we just have to play perfect football. And I don't even mean perfect. We have to get the breaks. It has to be one of those games where we get two or three turnovers, the ball bounces our way, and I think we have a chance. If we don't get the breaks, then we got to execute. And for me, it's really that simple. It's one or two things can happen. And if the if neither one happens, it's going to be a long night. Um, you're going to be crying in your Cheerios, and we're going to have to worry about now we got to win. We had a must-win situation in the last two ball games. Because I think nine is the number. I really think nine in both conferences is the number. Yeah. And I will I will say this. Um, me and my friend are watching here. Can you send him a big hug? His name is his nickname is Big Piker. <laughs> big hug to you. From all the way from America. Big bro hug. Appreciate that. Uh looking at these last three games, you got the commanders and 49ers on Christmas Eve. Then you got double home games, the Browns and the Cowboys. Ooh, if you're breaking the dark commandment, man. No, no, no. I'm just saying we got three games left. I'm focused on the 49ers. I'm not worried about the Browns, not worried about the Cowboys. Okay. If, and it's a very, very big if, if they can win these Saturday, let's just focus on Saturday. They win Saturday. The whole dynamic changes. They take they take some of the pressure off themselves. They still have to beat Cleveland. Yes. Cleveland is must win for sure. And I, I think every game for the rest of the season is must must win. Now let me pull up the playoff picture here. Cause I I don't have the the the, the new percentages, but let me pull up the playoff picture. And the, the Super Bowl's in Arizona this year. I love it. I love it. I love it. Come on. Jump up in here for me. All right. In the NFC, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Niners are already in. The Cowboys clinch with the Cowboy, I'm, I'm sorry, with a uh, Giants uh, win on Sunday night. And <clears throat> let me address that real quick because it's a lot of Cowboy fans that were dejected after losing to Jacksonville at the one o'clock game. You found enough energy to pick your dumb asses up to talk shit about us for losing to the Giants, but y'all lost to Jacksonville, but y'all had enough energy to talk about us. Here's my thing. If you didn't have the energy to talk after y'all lost to Jacksonville, please don't say nothing to me about what we lost. Don't talk about that. That's not your business. You stay out of grown folk business and you worry about getting out of the first round. Like I said on Sunday morning, it's fool's gold to think that the Cowboys are ever going to make a Super Bowl with the way this team is constructed, with the ownership that they have. Maybe the coaching can get you there, but the ownership is going to trip it up before you get there. You haven't arrived yet. And I've been saying that for three years. You haven't arrived yet. Now, in the hunt in the NFC, you got the Buccaneers at four. Um, the Giants at six. Washington at seven. Gi- uh, Cowboys are five because they're the second, they're second in the division. The Seahawks are a half a game behind Washington. So are the Lions. And the Lions own the tiebreaker. The Packers are a game, a game and a half back from Washington off that last spot. Carolina's still alive. The Saints are still alive. And even Atlanta's still alive. And all of those teams are below 500. Well, the only reason those four, the NFC South teams are alive is because six and eight leads the division. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is just like five and nine or something like that. Yeah. Um. So that's that's the only reason they're, they're even on that page. If, it, if the division wasn't horrible, they wouldn't be there. Detroit, 
I don't think Detroit has a tough game left. That's the issue. That's going to be the issue. Detroit is doesn't have a hard schedule. And I think um, – who's that right after them again? Uh, the Packers. And I Seahawks think the Packers, in front of Detroit and the Packers. No, at so the Seahawks have the Chiefs this week. That's who I was thinking about. So that's another one where we can get that extra spot. That helps. But now, again, we got to get back to taking care of our business. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing is taking care of our business. Oh my God. It's just it's so much. And I'm I'm afraid. But I'm I'm afraid, but I'm not afraid. And I hate being in this situation. I, I've said this for years. I hate the you know, oh well, season started. Yeah, we're three and five, but we'll we're okay. Oh, the playoffs start, and then all of a sudden it's a sprint for the playoffs, and then you run out of gas in the first round. I don't want to be that team. I don't want to be that team that has to go on the road and win three games just to make the playoffs. I want to be the, I want to go back to being a team that, you know, okay, we got everything wrapped up in week 14. You know, it's good. We got, we in the playoffs. Yeah. We still going to win games, but we in the playoffs. And then when the playoffs start, we're well rested. Everybody's back and healthy. And all of a sudden we're charged up to go ahead and make a run a legitimate run at winning a Super Bowl. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I've always wanted. But at best right now, we're looking at 10, 6, and 1. And I told uh, my man Keefe from the block this years ago. I said, dog, I hate 10 and 6 seasons. I said, 10 and 6 is seemed everybody gets so happy about them. Like, it's so mediocre to me. It's like it doesn't have the same oomph that you say, oh, yeah, we went 10 and 6. That was great. No, I don't have the same oomph. Because that's ten and six is the most games we've won in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Ten and six. After ninety one, we haven't won more than ten games. And I'm like, yeah, I'm used to getting an eleven and five here. You know, ten and six was cool, but eleven and five. You know, nine and seven was okay at one point because that'll get you in the playoffs. It ain't like that anymore. But what does that speak to? The one spot on the field. That controls the destiny of the team. It's the quarterback spot. Yes. And we're going to have to have a hard conversation at the end of this season. When this season is officially over, we're going to have to have a hard conversation. And we had a hard conversation last year, and I thought I was on the right side of it. And for the last few weeks, I thought I was on the right side of it. I don't know where I stand now. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. And I say that because I don't want to see regression from Taylor Heineke. I want to see progression. And I'm compared to when he first came in here and was playing to now. Oh, you see it. You see it. But he still he regresses in game and then he'll progress. Then he'll regress. Then he'll progress. It's the ebb and flow of a quarterback. He's a roller coaster. Yes. I will say that about him. And if you're familiar with Scary Movie, uh, he turns everybody into Brenda. I'm like, ooh, ooh, this some scary shit. That's how that's how he gets you. Every yep. time, that's how he gets you. And I love him. I would love to see him succeed, and I would love to see him ride off in the sunset, hoisting a Lombardi Trophy. Before and in burgundy and gold. Let me let me put that in there. I just need to. I, I, he has the weapons around him. It, there is no excuse. You got the run game. You got the receive. We got three receivers 
that are dominant and they could probably go anywhere and be number ones, three, not to mention the guys that are behind those three in uh, 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 Dax Mill, uh, De'Ami Brown and Cam Sims, not to mention those guys. And I need more from Cam Sims. I need Cam Sims to get more snaps. I don't know what he has to do to get more snaps, but when it comes down to red zone, him and Logan Thomas should be your number one priority to get the ball to because height, they both can jump, and they both got good hands. I'm sorry. They both have great hands. I should be able to I should be able to get them the ball in the red zone. If it's first and goal in the three, I should be able to hit a fade to the corner, and I got one of them. I, it should be a 50-50 ball where they coming out on top. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. Okay. So I'll do this early for you because I'm a junkie when it comes to the draft. So I've already made looks, looked at people, looked at positions. Offensive lineman has to be number one, number one priority. But yes. if you get you a center, I, I prefer a center. So you're giving up on Ruya. You're giving up on Ruya. He's done. I'm not, I got I to gotta do something. He showed me two years he can't stay healthy. Okay, so what about I get a, even if I get a guy that's a swing, I need something. What about Tyler Lawson? You, you're you not gonna dislocate a kneecap. I, well, yeah, but I mean, you got last two seasons hurt. Okay, so you, you're done with him as well. Go on. So, so, so if anything, Ruye comes back on a pay cut, or you um, you might not be able to move the money, but maybe he's the starter going in, but you got to have something behind him and something that's good. And I just don't – since Larson hasn't been able to finish the season, he can't be number two for me. Okay. You need um, – and I'm only going with three because I we'd be here forever. Two, I need a return man. I think Gibson's my kickoff return man, but I need a punt return man that's going to threaten and give us – because if we're going to play this field position game, I need to flip the field. Mm-hmm. I need my guy to be just as dangerous on the other side. Uh, and three, you either need, and this is going to be my either or. I normally don't do this, but I'm either taking a young corner, and I got a, I got three in mind, um, and maybe one goes to the first round pick. But since it seems like they like six two athletic corners, so you're talking about like Joey Porter Jr., uh, the kid Keeley from Georgia. And then even if you want to go late, you go with Banks from Maryland. But you need a big corner to throw into the mix. So, wait, that's your two. And maybe Kendall Fuller doesn't come back next year. I don't know. But those are the things you got to do. You got to start You got to start getting better talent on the perimeter defensively. So if one guy is gone, that you're not, you're not on the island. And I think that's what happens with Danny. We got to push Danny and him down the, the depth chart. Well, Danny Johnson, you know, he was a special teams ace. Him and uh, the Shades of Everett were your your special team guys for years. That's how they made this team because they made special teams better. Uh, of course, the Shades of Everett is not with the team anymore. Um, that now Jeremy Reese is doing that job. Yeah. So, and then I'm looking at the practice squad. You got Mark and uh, Mark and Michelle, Mark, Mark, Mark and Michael. Michelle, yeah, you got him, you got Jared Patterson, of course, you got Wes Martin. I'm just looking at the players that are going to wind up helping this team in uh, in the future. 
And then I'm looking at what we have. Cosme, I think Cosme's solid at right tackle. I need Leno to be solid at left. Huh? Health. Health is another question mark for him. Yeah. I need Leno or Lucas to take over that left tackle spot. Sadiq Charles, he has to hold down one of the guards. Schweitzer. Schweitzer can play guard or center. If you if you have to force him to play center, I think if you gave him the whole entire season and the offseason to play center, Schweitzer will be your guy. I don't because want him, I don't want him to be my guy. I want him to be my guard and then not I want center. a center. Okay. Then move Schweitzer to the right guard. You got Cosme on the right, Schweitzer. Oh, let's go from right to left. Cosme, Schweitzer, your guy in the middle, whoever you draft. Uh, left guard, are you giving up on Trey Turner? Are you giving up on Chris Paul? Are you giving up on Andrew Norwell? Actually, I want to see Chris Paul play. Okay. Like, I think Chris Paul is a guy that makes the biggest leap and can possibly take a position from somebody this offseason. And I think, you know, the person I think that's going to be the odd man out right now that's on the active roster, I think it's going to be Sadiq Charles. Yeah. We, myself and the boss, BJ, we broke down a game. It was LSU versus Clemson. We did it for pro football focus. They were hiring, and we did some things to break down the game. And I watched Sadiq Charles. And what's crazy, you know, we had to watch film of a game. And that's how I got familiar with Sadiq Charles. And I was just like, okay, the dude can go, but here's the problem. Is he going to be able to play tackle? In the NFL, because remember, remember Robert Gallery? Mm-hmm. He could play tackle for a little bit, but they wound up moving him to the inside. He had a, I think he had a better career inside at guard than he did at tackle. Uh here we had um God, Brandon Scherf. Brandon Scherf came in. He was supposed to be the left tackle to replace Trent Williams. No, he was supposed to be the right tackle. Yeah, he kept getting blown by and they kept dogging. I said, move him to the inside. When they moved him to the inside, he dominated. Now he's in Jacksonville getting that money. When Eric Flowers, when they signed Eric Flowers, I was pissed. And I said, nope, if they move him to the inside, I guarantee he's going to be one of the best guards we ever had. What did he do? Move to the inside at, at left guard, one of the best guards we had. Why, why didn't we ever bring him back? You don't want him. For whatever reason, they don't want him. They, they let him go twice. Yes. And I'm like, why would you? But see, here's the thing. And I said this. And I get laughed at when I say stuff like this, because I'll talk about uh, Jim Zorn. I'll talk about Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan did something with the offensive lineman here that worked. And whatever he did, it worked because he got the most out of Sheriff. He got the most out of Flowers. But the most important thing he got from him was health. Yeah, you know and that's the that's the key. When, I mean, this when, team has gone through. I think we were on four centers, um, three guards, and a partridge in a pear tree. So that's the issue. I mean, we we've gone through all these things on this line. It's not the person coaching the line; it's the fact that you just haven't been able to get results because you haven't had your whatever you left training camp with as was supposed to be the starting lineup. You haven't gotten. And, and that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm 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 looking I'm looking at this. And I'm looking at Wes Martin. When is that experiment gonna be over? Uh Cornelius Lucas, 
And Leno, you got you got guys that can play this game. But here's my problem. If I never see you, I don't know if you can play. And I don't want – I think we just need a – you got guys that you're going to keep. Cosme, Leno, Schweitzer. I think those are the three guys that stay. Everybody else, expendable. There I said it. Okay. So now thinking about uh what we don't have, you know, we talked about Tyler Lawson, Chase Rouye, both on IR done for the season. Uh we 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 seem to can't play when you talk about defense, we seem that we can't play without St. Juice. It seems like we cannot play without him. Is that what you're taking from this? And, you know, because you got to go to Kendall Fuller and maybe Danny Johnson or Bobby McCain. And I, I don't really care for Bobby McCain at corner. I don't. I, like, I mean, I, like I, I love slot. him at safety. I like him in the slot playing downhill because I think Forrest and um, Curl do a good enough job on the back end. And he comes in and he makes some plays. He's made more plays from what he's doing now than the last two years. So oh, I think that's I think he's found a home. Hold on, let me say this. I'm not saying that I don't like him there because he can't play. I just I love him at safety. I'm a fan of his at safety. It's just like he he's so smart. He he's got the, the IQ, the intelligence. And here's the thing: Curl and Forrest back there, I mean, they're good. But they ain't no Danny Copeland and Brad Edwards good. But I mean they good though. But that's the best safety combination you've had since probably Taylor and Landry. And that's not saying a whole lot. Look here, don't disrespect Danny Copeland and Brad Edwards, please. Don't no, don't, I'm don't just saying, do I'm just saying since they're they they didn't even number before this Sean Taylor and Landry's after. This is the best since. I'm yeah, not saying yeah, the best ever, yeah. the best since. Yeah. I'll give you that. And th- that's not saying a lot because it's been so long since we had anything, you know? Right. And when, when it comes to front seven, we got it right there. And looking at this team as a whole, only thing that's missing on this team, and I'm looking at the roster right now, that's why I'm looking off screen. I'm drafting a linebacker too. So who's who's your odd man out? I mean, of course, John Boss. You're getting rid there of you John Boss. There you go. So are you, you sticking with Cleveland? Younger, you just get younger. Well, John Bossick wasn't here because he's young. John Bossick was brought here because of his intelligence and right. how his leadership. Uh-huh. He's not a spring chicken, so he can't cover sideline to sideline no more. Hey, he, he did the funky Watusi against Barkley. So, I mean, <laughs> so, no, seriously, it's just I'm all about this team having more team speed on defense, on the defensive side of the ball. And Bossick is a guy that has to go. And I just think there's so many young linebackers out here that you can get a kid and plug them in. Uh, think about what's the kid for Kansas City. Leo Chanel was like a seventh-round pick, but he's getting minutes right now. You, mm-hmm. you don't have to invest heavy. You just have to get somebody that's smart, and that's what this kid is from Wisconsin. He was smart. You can put him anywhere, and he's making an impact. And that's all you really need, and that's all this team needs is some guys that can come in and be smart and then also give them, a, give them that extra gear when you need it. Because right now David Mayo and this and and Boston can't be your your third and fourth linebackers. It's all about progression. True. Now, of course, 
for those that are watching, you see wrap that shit up, be flowing across the screen. How do we beat the 49ers? We got to take the air out of the football. Take the air what? out of the football. What? You don't you, you get in trouble. You for gotta that? try to beat them at their game. Don't you get in trouble for that? Didn't Tom Brady get in trouble for that? We're not trying to throw the football without the air. And I'm just saying, this is a run-heavy game. Try to keep yourself in short situations on third down, and then actually converting a third down because this is the best defense every layer that I've seen in this league. Every layer there's a Pro Bowler or there's an All Pro sitting there. Bosa, Mufanga or Hufanga, whatever his name is, at safety. Um, Fred Warner, uh, Greenleaf. Uh, yeah, is it Greenleaf or Greenway? Whatever it is, Green. He can go. Like they've got speed, they've got length, they've got speed. I mean, <laughs> this defense. <laughs> like you got to attack this defense and just just hope for the best. I think you said that already. <laughs> I feel like um, what's what's my man? Ivory um, Christian. Lefty. Nah, Lefty oh. in the beginning of the, um, of Donnie Brasco. Mm. He's like Calax got more power. It's got a bigger engine. It's got more power. <laughs> See, look, I, when you said that, the first thing I thought of was Friday Night Lights, the championship game. Mm. And, and Coach asked, he asked Irie, he said, how's it look out there, Irie? He said, they're big, they're fast, they're dirty, they're fast. He said, I think you said that already, Ivory." <laughs> <laughs> this game, new, uh, Christmas Eve. 10 and 4 versus 7 and 6. For all that is good, holy, and amazing, I would love for Washington to win this game and walk out of uh, Levi Stadium 8, 6, and 1. I would love for them to do it because I would love the, the just to shut some people up. But I would also love to take a step closer to – making the playoffs one game at a time, one play at a time, one quarter at a time. Just slow but sure. You know, I wouldn't give a damn if Washington walked out of there and won two to nothing. A win is a win. Right. I I mean, one of my greatest victories in life was an intramural middle school football game where we won the championship two to nothing. And I scored two points. I got the safety. Cornerback blitz. Thank you. All right, before we get out of here and we get lost in your intramural highlight tape, um, Friday. Friday's a big day as a Commanders fan because that's the first round of bids being placed by the prospective new owners or new buyers into the Washington franchise. So that's one thing we definitely can't forget. Mm -hmm. Um, Two... Alex Ovechkin is at 800 goals. Um, he's one away from Gordie Howe. Um, he did it on a hat trick a couple nights ago up in, I want to say Chicago, and the fans threw hats on the, on the um, ice. It was, one of the, it, it was one of those situations you wish it had happened at Cap 1 because you know how the fans would have responded, but it didn't. So hopefully we can get 802 here at home. I think the Caps are something like 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. So they're starting to find their groove. Hopefully, Stella got her groove back, and we can keep grooving and moving. Uh, what else? The Wiz. Lays Boulay. I think they lost mm-hmm. 10 straight. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think they lost 14 out of 15, something crazy. They had the Suns tonight. Somebody better bring their lunch pail. Uh, Kyle Kuzma keeps talking about being the second option. You got to show me, dog. You got to show me, man. Good luck with that. Oh, and then the Nats have signed nobody of importance, which is huge because we're, we're getting a championship without signing anybody of, of importance. No, seriously, January 1st, January 2nd, watch because there will be some guys that thought they would get big deals and they might have to settle for Washington on a two-year deal. Hey. I think that's all the sports I got. Jumping back to the Capitals and Alexander Ovechkin, I'm looking at the all-time leaders and goals. Gordie Howe's at 801. He's number two. And here's a question. You know, we're not even halfway through the NHL season. Does the grade eight catch the great one at 894? Does he get 895? It's going to be two years, but he'll get there. At the rate he scores goals, yeah. he can get there in two. It's not going to be it's not going to be one. This ain't mm. 1982 where Gretzky would score like 100 goals and have 80 assists. It's just hockey is so much better than that now. So he'll probably get his 50, 55 goals for the season. Put himself probably somewhere right around 830, 840. And he's got to come in put some work in. His was crazy. Gretzky had a career. 1,963 assist. Mm-hmm. Ovi's only at 646 for assist. Right. You're also talking about a time when, if you ever go back and look at the pads that the, the goalies had and the match they had. Way smaller. Game, yeah, it was way smaller. And the game's totally different now. Yeah. Got better athletes all around. Um, so, yeah, it's just not going to be a thing where you're going to have those same numbers duplicated. Man, I'm just I'm just sitting here and I'm just I'm just looking at the list. Sidney Crosby's all the way down at 534. But how many assists does he have? Overrated. 915. There you go. Overrated. What um, you say so? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The great Mario Lemieux is only at 690. I well, you know, Lemieux missed what two years with cancer. Yeah, he missed a couple years with injuries yeah. and cancer. Yep. And I, I I love the Mew. Uh, Luke Robitaille's at six sixty eight to thirteen. Joe Sackick at sixteen and six twenty five. Jerome McGinley six twenty five at seventeen. Uh, man, Dino Cicerelli. That's a name I ain't heard in a long time. I, I get man. Was he like five eighty something? Uh, six oh eight. Number nineteen. Number nineteen. Joe Newendike. And it's crazy because as much as I used to be so into hockey and I pulled for the Caps to win so much, man. Like, I, I got tired of being a Caps fan for a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go be a Blackhawks fan. And I remember somebody said, man, you just went from bad to worse. And <laughs> yeah, then they had their little stretch. Yeah. then they. But by the time the Blackhawks got good, I was back being a Caps fan by then. This is, the Caps are still trying to get over the hump. It was like they were just trying to get over the hump. And this is right before uh uh Bruce um Bruce Boudreau came. Okay. Right before he came, and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and stick it out with the caps. And then, you know, we started scoring a bunch of points but couldn't win. 
mm-hmm. and I've been a Cap fan ever since. And I'm, but I've always lived and died with them because going to to, to Bullets games, you look up and you see Rod Langway's jersey, and you see the Caps, and you know they were always doing something. And I, I think that was the first one of the first sweatshirts, sports sweatshirts that I had was a Caps sweatshirt, and I wore that thing till my head wouldn't fit in it no more. And so. So have you done a Caps game live? No, and I really want to. But every time I have a chance to. Maybe yes. maybe it's a maybe we meet up, I don't know, but that's something I've done a couple times. Um my first introduction in the hockey of course, like most of us is NHL on Nintendo. So mm-hmm. I used to or PlayStation. And then um I think in 99, I was on the glass. First time, first game ever I went to, we were like second row from the glass. Greatest experience ever. Uh, then I went back a couple times after that, but still, like, when you see how tall these jokers are and you start reading their bios, 6'4", 245, mm-hmm. but he on a blade and they moving and, man, just gives you a whole different respect for the game, man. And what's crazy is I used to work around the corner from Kettler Ice. Well, it was, it was called Kettler then. I used to work around the corner in Virginia from there. I did. I used to service a building that I serviced the building on. I think it was down and around the corner, but I used to have to pass Kettler every day. And I used to always say, damn, I know they're in their practice. It was always at my appointment was always at a time that practice had already started. And I used to always try to linger around, see who would come out. But, you know, they got a parking garage connected to it, so you're not going to see anything. But, like, All right. I would so, love to get to a game. All right. We got to talk that out off here. Okay. Now, this is kind of breaking, so I don't have all the, the news yet. But the NFL is about to end its 30-year run with the direct TV package. Mm. NFL is seeking well north of $2 billion a year for the – for the Sunday package right now potential leaders in the clubhouse is Google's YouTube and Apple. Mm. You know what before and has it been 30 years with Sunday ticket? I don't think it's been 30 years. Yeah. It can't that we talking 1993. Well, no, dude, I remember we used to go on Sundays. um, We would play like whatever flag league we was in. We were headed to my buddy's house in Fort Washington, and he had the ticket. And we'd watch all the games on the ticket and eat or whatever, chill out. They had their little fancy football league they was running. So, yeah, it's been at least it's close to 30 if it's not 30. Mm. Now, see, I had direct TV in from 2003 to, like, 2005. And I remember before – this was before Red Zone, direct TV – and I think I had I think I had the Sunday ticket because it showed you each individual game, but it also had a channel where you could yep. watch every game in progress. Yep. And I said, okay. And then you could choose and tell you what channel, what game was on, the stats, everything. And I was like, when they made NFL Red Zone, if they did that to the point where Red Zone was more than one channel and I could watch multiple Red Zone plays at once, I'd be happy with that. Now, I'm saying now do that. Man. it takes away from the live viewing process. So that's why if you ever pay attention, you're always on delay when it comes to the red zone. Like yeah, never, I don't, I don't I'll like watch it all the time. Like literally, my, my main TV is on whatever game is important. So if we're playing, I'm watching us. But I got red zone on the computer, and it's 
It's the laptop, and then I look up to the game. Mm-mm. I got it to the point where. Shout out to BJ for Stream East. <laughs> hey, shout out to him for uh, the Red Zone, because I used to go to his house to watch Red Zone. <laughs> but uh, Fox is on the living room TV, and then if I pull something up on the phone, it's uh, the Ravens game or whatever game's on nine, or if I can find another game that I'm interested in. Or uh, if my youngest son is home, he'll pull up the sports tab and be like, okay, this game is on, Dad. We can watch this game. All right, man, whatever. You know, 4 o'clock game, that's my that's my nap time. You know, I'm going to watch the yeah. 4 o'clock game about 4.15. I'm not, I'm not no, till about 5.30. And okay. dinner's ready. But it, it's all good. Um, Closing thoughts before we get out of here. Um, see, I already did my Nats rent. Uh, let's see what else do I have. Oh, soccer. Uh, France and Argentina gave us probably the greatest World Cup final in the history of the finals. Uh, the two best players in the world, uh, Mbappe and Messi, I think they scored two goals each, and then each of them were successful in their penalty kicks. So you couldn't ask for a better, like, dramatic end to um, probably the worst set up for FIFA because they were greedy and they wanted money. But at least the soccer build them out. And then you got the first African country to make the semis in Morocco. So, again, they got bailed out by the tournament being such a great tournament. But there's no way they should have been in Qatar. I don't care what you say. And uh, I'm sorry for all the soccer talk. No, that's all right because uh, France has to get some – some uh credit for being an African nation because I mean you're so invested in Africa and you had so many African players. Well, that's why the African countries struggle because their best players end up playing for France. Yeah, and I, I was looking at a video. I forget whose dad it was. He said he wanted his son to play for was it Nigeria? I forget who he wanted. He wanted his son to pay play for, and they told him it would be ten thousand dollars. You want me to pay you for my son to play for you? And that's why they went. They wound up going to, like, France. Well, Nigeria had been, the last two years, they had been in there, and they had been a tough out. So it's kind of sad to see that, like, the bureaucracy of the, of the sport has really hurt a team that was kind of prevalent. Mm-hmm. That's all well, my soccer knowledge, man. You, didn't tap, you tapped out. <laughs> my final thought is uh, we're going to see – what we got in the sideline junkies bank account, we're going to make a bid for this Washington football team. Maybe we can get a hold of it. Uh, see if the boss BJ is willing to write a check or something. Um, call up the Nubian Sumo and the People's Choice and see if they got some connections. We could put a whole, we got an investment group. We just see if we can invest in. Maybe we can put about eight, nine dollars together. See what we can do. All right. So. That's what's up. <laughs> Until next time. Uh, Keep a lookout on the this week's schedule because we got a holiday coming up, and we don't want to we don't want to tell you, hey, we're gonna be back on Thursday when we don't come back on Thursday. Um, I don't want to say we're gonna be here on Saturday because Saturday is Christmas Eve, and Sunday I need to talk to everybody off air because Sunday we may have to do something special, so we're not on air, but we're on air, so we'll figure that out. But until next time, that's the Midnight Rider. The lover of darkness. Darkness, everybody. Darkness. darkness. <laughs> I'm the big guy, KG. We don't do no overtime. We are out of here.